Father, we again um, come before you and are going to open up a, a portion of your word. We pray that you would teach us. We pray, Lord, we would not be confused. I pray, Father, if there's confusion, um, it's only because um, we just don't know all that you have for us. So would we dig in tonight and would we hear from you in Jesus' name, amen. My wife was yawning on the way to church today, and I said, Sharon, this is a bad day to yawn, because if you've been reading it all, Hebrews 3 and 4, there are so many rests, and if you begin reading them in different versions, you are going like, what is the author talking about? But i got to tell you, um, I'm pretty excited about today. My prayer is that I don't mess this up. really is. Um, this is one of the things that my dad, you know, we had Dad's Day last night and, uh, at Awana, and I talked a little bit about my dad. And this was one of my dad's favorite passages. He would go back to Hebrews 3 and 4 all the time, and he would call it something different. He'd call it the faith rest life. But I'm going to call it something different than that uh, because I think it will make a little more sense for you as we kind of dig in here. So let's, uh, let's go with a short review. And as I said, um, I'm, I'm hoping you will leave so very, very encouraged uh, because there's a, lot, there's a lot in here. Let me remind you just about a few things. First of all, Hebrews was written... To Jews. I'm going to shut this. I'm going to play Cops and Robbers tonight. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to get violent out there. Okay. Um, it's written to Jews. Um, to the believers. The message basically was keep the faith. Even though you're going through trials, we knew that they went through unbelievable persecution at this time. And so part of it was written, I think, to pump their tires. But the author basically was saying, keep the faith. Jesus is a better high priest. Jesus is a better sacrifice. To those Jews who are very close to respond to Jesus. He basically was saying, or, or the, per, the author was saying, respond to Jesus, the better high priest, and the sacrifice. You don't understand all that he has to offer, but please respond. To those who are far from God but were Jewish, he would say this, Jesus is the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for, the better high priest and sacrifice. Jesus is superior and living life with him is amazing. We find out in the first chapter that Jesus radiates God's glory. Jesus absolutely shows every one of us who God is, what God looks like, how God responds to people. Um, and it's encouraging to read about Jesus because sometimes as we read through the scriptures, just to be able to see God in the flesh helps us understand a little bit of how big and amazing and wonderful God is. So the message all, all over is trust and obey. Jesus is superior. He's king. And you will never regret a relationship with Him. So with that being said, turn your Bibles to chapter 3. Uh-oh. 
forgot to turn something off. And I'm sure there's going to be many important messages coming through. Chapter 3, and we're going to start at verse 7. Okay? Chapter 3, verse 7. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts, as Israel did when they rebelled, when they tested me in the wilderness. There your ancestors tested and tried my patience. And even though they saw my miracles for 40 years, so I was so angry with them, I said, Their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. The word rest, depending on your version, appears about 12. Some of your versions will have 14 times. And all of them, or most of them, mean different things. Okay? That's why you're going to have to put your thinking caps on today. But if I were, asked, if, if I were to just share with you that God's heart or desire for everyone who walks with Him is to enter His rest. Now you may not exactly understand what that means, but doesn't the word rest sound good? I mean, just look at your life, just a little bit. On on the plans that you've had, on the pace that you've kind of been driving, and you hear the word Rest. It's a sweet word. Well, what the author does is start off in the past. And I have to just give you a little bit of background. We're going to be jumping around the scriptures a little bit today. But let's turn over to Psalm 95. Because this is a, you know, in your Bibles, most of your Bibles, you'll see that um, it's indented just a little bit differently. And the reason it's indented a little differently in your Bibles is that that's a direct quote from the Old Testament. Okay, And some of your study Bibles will tell you where that comes from. But this literally comes from Psalm 95. So we're going to jump over to Psalm 95. And right in the very beginning, the psalmist writes this, Let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing praises or praise to Him. For God, or the Lord, is a great God, a great King above all gods. He holds in His hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The seas belong to Him, and He made it. His hands formed the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is God. For we are the people He watches over, the flock under His care. Now, If we stop there, this is a pretty powerful psalm. This is a psalm that we literally have some songs that we sing and copy this, these exact words. All right. This is kind of a exclamation. God, this is, you are wonderful. I am so grateful to be part of your flock. You care for us in a very real way. And then the psalmist turns the corner almost immediately. It's so odd. It's stark. In fact, most of the time, if you read this psalm, you won't read this part. Okay? But this is the part that the author of Hebrews pulls out. And he says this. Look at the last part of verse 7. 
If you would only listen to his voice today. He was very kind. Just remember, just before this, he says, we're the people. You're, you're our shepherd. We're the flock under your care. And then all of a sudden, if you'd only listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah and as they did at Massah in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. For 40 years I was angry with them. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place. Now let's go back to Exodus chapter 17 and let's read what both the psalmist and the author of Hebrews is talking about. Now again, most of you probably know this history. I am thinking that the recipients of this letter definitely knew Israel's history. Okay, Because this is a, this is a stark warning. Um, This is something where there's a little bit of pleading involved. And the author is using some history and saying, you know what, not everybody responds to God well. I just want you to know this. But God does want you to respond to me well. In Exodus chapter 17, now let me put this in perspective again. The, The children of Israel just crossed the Red Sea. All right. Days Maybe weeks later, they complain about water. All right, that's like in chapter 16. Then they complain about food. All right, now now, let me just say it again. They just left Egypt. They have just seen God do some unbelievable things. And many people might think the the miracle of the crossing of the Red Sea was the greatest of all miracles. I I mean, it was a a big one, at least in the top five. All right. None of us got to experience that. So they walked through this. There was great rejoicing. They couldn't believe they were free. They couldn't believe that all the Egyptians were floating. They couldn't believe all that. They were so excited. Within a couple days... They started to doubt God. No water. A a few more days. They didn't like the food that they were being given. Alright? Some more complaining. So God sent quail. Now here's chapter 17. Alright? I don't know the time frame. But I'm pretty sure it was pretty close. Alright? At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of sin... That's a good thing, right? And moved from place to place. Eventually they camped at Raphidim. There was no water there for the people to drink. So once more the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me? And why are you testing the Lord? Isn't that interesting? You know? I mean, God has always provided for them up to that moment. Did some amazing things. But now they're complaining, complaining against Moses, and actually testing God. Lack of faith tests God. But tormented by thirst, whatever that means, they continue to argue with Moses. They, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? Are you trying to kill us, our children, our livestock with thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What should I do with these people? They are ready to stone me. This was not a small offense. 
You know? I'm like, seriously? Are you kidding me? This is really what's going to happen? Then the Lord told Moses, verse 5, walk out in front of the people, take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile, and call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told and water gushed out as the elders looked on. As if, again, they didn't understand how big God was, how much God wanted to provide for them, that God's word was faithful, God was good, whatever he said. Then verse 7, Moses named the place Massah, which means test, and Meribah, which means arguing, because the people of Israel argued with Moses and tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord here with us or not? The author of the book of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, chose to go back to this text. And he starts off, today when you hear his voice, when you experience God, when you see what God is doing, do not harden your hearts. And he goes, let me give you some history. And the history is, hey, this is what happened to the Jews. They were living in an unbelievable time frame, unbelievable time period. I want you to understand that these guys hardened their hearts in spite of all that God had done. And these words, you know, folks, this, think of this. You know, this is God talking about Israel. But realistically, if we put ourselves in here and we have people treat us this way, learn a little bit about God. God is patient. God still worked. God did miracles for 40 years, but God was ticked. They, they did not respond well. And if you look at this, Israel ultimately then didn't enter God's rest. And that's the rest at the end of verse 11 right there. The rest was called the promised land. The rest ultimately, and you know this story well, you know, they came to a place, and and we can talk about this in numbers, but Moses sent out 12 spies. And again, this isn't new for you, but what happened with the 12, in fact, turn to Deuteronomy 1. This is Moses' last sermon. You guys know that. I know. But in Deuteronomy chapter 1, Moses, just at the end of his life, he experienced all these different things and he describes one of the saddest times in all of Israel's history. And look at verse 26, chapter 1, verse 26. Talking about right after the scouts came back, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. Wait a minute. That that sounds really bad. <laughs> you know, you rebelled against God said to go in. I've got a land filled with milk and honey, which, you know, how about dove chocolate and, you know, uh Dairy Queen blizzards. You know, that that would be like, whoa, I'm I'm there. 
okay? And, and you know, the, the place was unbelievable. There were vineyards. And the scriptures tell us, again, that they brought back some of the fruit. One cluster. Now, I'm not sure what a cluster looks like, you know, but I'm thinking, like, one branch off a vine, you know. Took two guys to carry. Two guys to carry one club. Now, I don't know, again, all the things that they were able to eat in Egypt, Egypt, but I'm thinking grapes. I love grapes. Grapes are my favorite. I go to Costco, and no matter what my wife asks me to do, I go to the grapes section. All right? For $7, you get four pounds of grapes that are amazing. So I'm kind of thinking that I would really like Canaan. All right? But they looked around, and what was the report? Yeah, the land is cool, but what? Tell me. Giants. Giants. And what else? Walled cities. Like, hey, I like what is over there, but I, I don't think we can take care of these guys. I mean, they are really big. They are warriors. And all the cities, well, we'll have, you know, we're, we're, we're slaves. We can't do anything over there. But God said, I've already taken care of you. I did an amazing miracle over here. I, I give you even water out of a rock. This doesn't happen, folks. Okay? Water from a rock. Not a normal thing. Can you trust me? Cross the Pickin River, and I'm going to be with you. And you get to enjoy all this bounty. Life with me is different than life without me. That's the message. And you're going to hear this all the way through. Living with God makes a difference. And that's what he was trying to tell the children of Israel. And this was the illustration. Again, and, and look down there. But you rebelled, this is chapter 1 of Deuteronomy, but you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to go in. You complained in your tents and said, the Lord must hate us. Well, verse 28, where can we go? Our brothers have demoralized us with their report. Verse 29, but I said to you, Moses said, don't be shocked or afraid of them. The Lord your God is going ahead of you. He will fight for you just as you saw him do in Egypt. Verse 32, but even after all he did, you refused to trust the Lord your God. Again, very harsh language. The people had a choice. Listen to God and enjoy abundant living in Canaan. Or don't listen to God and eventually wander in a desert for 40 years uh, eating manna and water from a rock or other little places. Now, to us, it's a no-brainer. To us, we almost look back at this, and we honestly say, are they idiots or what? But this is the same choice that we're given, and that's why the author of Hebrews is using this. He's saying, hey, there is a possibility for you to harden your hearts. And I'm telling you, there was a time in history that all of you know, you Hebrews, that God was doing amazing things, and they hardened their hearts. So don't think it's not possible to harden your hearts. Because if you do, you're going to miss out what life with God is all about. Okay? 
So here we are. Israel didn't enter um, Canaan because of their hard hearts. Hard hearts were because of their choices. They basically chose to go into slavery. And the and and the in the last verse or, or verse eleven, I'm sorry, they will never. This is a future middle, which means this: to enter into rest isn't just something that you automatically do. You need to do it with somebody's help. And really, the exasperated God, after pouring His self out, after demonstrating who he is and what he desires for the Israelites, so I don't think you're ever going to enter that rest because you're never going to trust me in a way that I want you to trust me. Then we jump to verse 12. 12 to 15, we focus on the present. He just went from the past, history, to now, specifically, immediately. And he says this, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while there is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we first believed, we will share in all the things that belong to Christ. Remember what it says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Remember, one of the first principles of Scripture is anytime something is repeated, it's repeated for a reason. You, you pay more attention to it. You listen to it. You're going to hear things repeated over and over again in this chapter and a half. And what we need to do is pay a, pay a special attention to it. But what the author is saying is, hey, be careful. Don't go down this same path. He's talking to the Jews. The Jews knew the history. And he's saying, don't go this direction. You can develop an evil, unbelieving heart, which will turn away from our living God. What he's saying is that sin, which is rebelling against God, it's doing your own thing. It's choosing not to obey. It's knowing that something is right and you choose not to do it. These are all definitions of sin. Deceives you and hardens your heart. Now one of the things, again, that someone who's been on the planet for a while has had a long journey recognizes that what God is saying is true. When you're 12, or you're 18, or you're 24, you may not think you're smarter than God, but oftentimes the way you act, you say you're smarter than God. You feel that you can get away with certain things. We all know that, you know, five-year-olds and six-year-olds, they draw lines in sand all the time, you know. And or you draw lines in sand and say, "Don't cross it." You know, I don't care what it is. And they will go up to it. They will dance around it. You can have a whole room, you know, and they just love it. They are drawn to it. Why? Because we don't often believe that our parent or God, in this case, 
really knows what's best for us. But, um, but sin promises a big payoff now. And most of the time that happens. Sin is attractive. Sin is seductive. And sin for a short season seems an awful lot of fun. But sin always has horrible consequences. Sin brings death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And death is the opposite of life. I know this is so simple. But in this context, we're talking death or rebellion or sin will keep you from experiencing abundant living. And this is what we're looking at. We're looking at what rest is. And rest is living with God. And rest is experiencing who God is. God is saying this all the way through. Don't harden your hearts because I've got something so amazing for you. I want you to experience it. He's going to say this over and over and over again. It's interesting here. And that the author says this, it says, you must warn each other every day. Now, what are you going to warn each other? You're going to warn how deceitful sin is. How sin hardens your heart. How sin oughtn't be played with. And again, we all have different relationships and different people, you know, that we hang out with. And some of the conversations that we have, if you're honest, when was the last time you warned somebody that you saw dancing really close to the line, going over the line, whatever that is, and you said, hey, wait a minute, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't want to judge them. Hey, I, you know what, maybe, you know, God, I'm going to pray for them. And I think there's times to do that, but I also think that many of us don't treat sin as an unbelievable um, scenario that brings death to us every time. If you knew somebody was going to be hurt physically, every one of you would act. Honestly, if you saw a little three-year-old just kind of go, you know, heading toward the street or whatever, and mom for some reason is drinking her Starbucks and you know, uh, looking at her eyebrows or whatever she's doing, you know. I mean, there, there wouldn't be anything. You'd, you'd yell. You'd shout. You'd run. You'd do whatever you could. You don't want that three-year-old to do that. You know? But again, for us, we don't think sin is that destructive. We don't think rebelling against God. We put it in categories, don't we? Well, that was just a small lie. Or I didn't need to be totally honest there. Or, you know what, I just looked at that girl just twice. I know it's not my wife, but, you know, I just appreciate beauty. And you can go right down the line. All the different things. And you go, wow, what, why are we so tactful? Now, again, I understand. You don't have to be a jerk. You know, I, I get that. But again, if you have relationships with people and you've seen them walk down a road that's going to hurt them. I can't tell you how many hard conversations I've had as a pastor and as a friend probably over the last two months with, I think, families that are making really, really, really poor choices that are going to hurt them now and really hurt them later. People sometimes listen and sometimes they don't. Say, well, Rick, that's just some certain choice. 
No, this is sin. It's rebelling against God. It's making other things gods in your life. And it's going to hurt you. That's all. Anyway, the author here, and you're going to see this, he gets um, pretty excited about certain things. And one thing, again, he's going to say over and over again, this sin thing wrecks your living with God. You cannot experience abundant life. You will not get into Canaan, in this case, the promised land, because you're not listening to God. You need to listen to God. You need to respond to me. I am a good God. I am a God that loves you. And I'm a God that wants to walk with you. And I want, I want well to go over there and give you great victory over giants. And I want to take down the walls of Jericho because I'm a big God. And I do that. You actually can't. But I can. So would you trust me? Would you let me walk with you? And all those things that you see are impossible. All those things that that look like, I cannot do this. I want to just walk with you. And what's going to destroy that is sin. So if you know someone's not going to be experiencing abundant living, would you warn them? Would you warn them every day the choice you're making is not good? You're listening to the wrong person. God is the right person. And then, for if you are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when you first believed, we will share in all the blessings of Christ. Our faith remains as we keep trusting God. We remain uh, as a son or a daughter in good standing. We receive all the blessings that the son receives. It's an amazing promise. But then he brings back again, hey, Today, when you hear his voice, I just want to remind you, that happens. God talks. God shares with you. And we're going to talk in just a little bit what that actually looks like. Alright? But when God speaks to you, listen to his voice. Again, one of the things that uh, one of my guys' groups does is as we read through the scripture, one of the questions we ask every time is what is God asking me to do that I either do not want to do, I struggle doing, or I just kind of put it on the side, which is really not doing it at all. And, and it's very interesting as we go around tables or we just have conversation, what are things that you chose not to obey God this weekend? Now, initially, if, if this is the first time you heard this question, you'll say, well, no, I... <laughs> I obey God all the time. <laughs> it's not a problem, man. He says it, I do it, and I, I'm a great servant. But if you start reading through the Bible, and as you see the things that God puts out, you say, hey, wait a minute, that would be too hard. I don't understand how we could actually do this. Or really go forgive someone or do, the, you know, that, that, that's just too hard. I don't know if I can. But again, if we rebel against God, our heart gets hardened and, well, it becomes hard to hear from God. We become calloused. Um, I think that might be another good way to put it. 
Now again, every one of you understand the parable of the soils. But the whole idea, again, of the parable of the soils is that the sower throws out seed. And the seed, we are told, is God's Word. And God's Word lands on different surfaces. There's only one surface that receives it well and produces fruit. And I think, again, when we disobey God, we rebel against God, no matter what age you're at, no matter what you're your, your soil gets harder. It can't respond. The roots can't go in. God can't guide you. You are incapable of listening. We need to keep our soil tilled and ready to receive God's Word. So when you hear His voice, listen. Then we jump in the next three verses in verse 16, 17, 18, 19. I guess that's four verses. <laughs> Math is never my strong suit here. Uh, the next four verses, we go back to history again. All right? So for us, it seems, well, why is this so important? Because to a Jew, it was really important to go back and help them understand again. The choices that have been made by this nation have not always been really good. And so let's read, uh, starting at verse 16. And who was it who rebelled against God, even though they heard his voice? Wasn't it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Wasn't it the people who sinned? And listen, I mean, this is gross. You know, whose corpses lay in the wilderness? Hey, do you remember who didn't listen to God? Well, it was those guys. And as a result, well, their corpses were in all over. It's kind of gross. In verse 18, and to whom was God speaking when he took the oath when uh, that... Oh boy. Verse 18, and to whom was God speaking when he took an oath that they would never enter his rest? Wouldn't... Oh boy. Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? So we see that because of their unbelief, or you could put doubt, okay? Because sometimes unbelief is a strong word. But what I've, what I've seen as I've met with people, doubt is unbelief, okay? And sometimes we get a little more convicted if we use a word that might convict us better. How about that? So we see that because of their unbelief or their doubt, they were not able to enter his rest. So God's oath was with Israel. They weren't able to go and enter into the land. I would put it, they missed out on the grapes. You know, that was well worth listening to God. But more than that, they missed God doing some amazing things again. Do you realize that it had to be pretty impressive when those walls of Jericho came down. But none of them got to see that because they disobeyed God. Now, they did get to see a pillar. They did get to see a cloud. They did get to see God's faithfulness. But really, they existed for the most part. They did notice their clothes never wore out. That was kind of cool, you know. And, and so God was active all the way through, but they never saw Jericho's walls come down. They just didn't, you know. 
And things like they didn't see the Jordan River stop. They didn't see some of the things that God said, hey, walk with me. Walk with me. And I will do some amazing things with you. Now this is all precursor to chapter 4. Chapter 4 is worth the price of the ticket. Okay? Look at chapter 4. And I want to get you too excited. But this talks about the present, the past, the future. And let's read just the first three verses. Switches gears. And I want you to know he's not talking about Canaan for the most part now. Okay, and I'm going to stop and, and kind of explain each time we come to rest. God's promise of entering his rest. If you write in your Bibles or take notes, this is life with God. All right? This is living and listening and obeying God. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. Guys, this is good news. Comma. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this good news that God has prepared, this rest, this life with God, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter this rest, experience this abundant life. Understand what it means to live with light, with God. And for others, God said, In my anger I took my oath. They will never enter my place of rest. Even though this rest has already um, has been ready since he made the world. Let's look at this. We now can enter the rest. We now can experience God. Mostly because we have a relationship with God like no other time. Okay? And this will coordinate really well, I think, with our message series more. But this is great news. This is the gospel of the kingdom. That everyone who comes to faith can have a life that is abundant and is full. You see... The good thing about a relationship with Jesus is not just that your sins are justified. The good thing is not just because we get heaven when we die. Those are wonderful things. All right. But realistically, what happens for the 50, 60, 70, 80 years that God gives you now? Why are you here? Why? Are we here? Why are you left here? I mean, some of you received Christ as Savior five years old, six years old, seven years old. Why didn't He just take you up then? Why didn't He just enjoy heaven at that moment? You know? I mean, if life really is just about having your sins taken care of and living eternal eternity with God, why leave you down here? Well, the question is, is that we get to begin to experience what kingdom living is all about. We get to experience God right now. What it means to walk with God as we walk through life. You see, the children of Israel 
chose not to go into Canaan because of all the problems. What we're going to find out is that life is filled with problems. Life is filled with giants. Life is filled with walled cities. All right? And God never says, hey, no walled cities, no giants, no problems. But you know what? If you walk with me, you're going to bring the kingdom here. You're going to understand all that I have for people. And you're going to be on mission. You're going to represent me in other people's lives. You're going to have an opportunity to share good news and make a difference. You see, rest has a different meaning here as you're finding out. But rest is God's presence. Rest is God's peace. Rest is life with God in the midst of battles. In fact, I think one of the great things of Hebrews is that if we understand what the Hebrew people went through, we can understand how abundant life, what abundant life is being offered right now. In other words, life in Canaan is a beautiful example of life with God. If you look at the stories in Joshua, especially with the Jordan and Jericho and Ai and Caleb, you know, these are amazing stories. They're kind of graphic. They're kind of gross. You know, God does some amazing things as far as um, armies and and taking over land and, and doing things that, well, the Israelites would never have the ability to do without him. But the truth is this, is that this is really good news for recipients of God's grace. Is that, you know, we're not out of the world. We still see cancer. We, we still see um, injustice. We understand that our world is crumbling in many ways before us. But we have an opportunity to walk with God, to listen to His Spirit, to respond in different ways to what God is teaching us. You know, God speaks to us very very much through God's Word. There's no doubt that, that when God says, don't harden your heart, but listen to what I say, we are going to get the majority of our direction in life through God's Word. But you know, there is something and. What I'd like to basically say is the Holy Spirit is very active in every one of our lives who are part of God's family. And the Holy Spirit at times prompts us and talks to us. One of the things that I've been trying to model and actually do is when folks come to me and say, Hey Rick, because again, it's a good question. I'm the pastor, I'm the shepherd. And they'll they'll say, Hey, have you seen Johnny lately? And I'll say, no, I, I haven't. He goes, well, you know what? I'm uh, wondering where Johnny is. Uh, why, why don't you give him a call, Rick? And I'll say, you know what? My guess is the Holy Spirit brought Johnny to your mind. Now, I'm really okay because sometimes I'm a pretty dense shepherd, and I do need some people to like say, hey, Rick, uh, why don't you make that call? Okay? But I'm pretty sure that God put Johnny on your mind 
for a reason, you know. I am seeing over and over again some of the conversations I have with people. It, what did your divine appointments look like today? Well, what do you mean? I just went to work and I did this and I went there. And, but you see, God is at work. You're joining Him in what He's doing down here on this planet. And the opportunities that you and I have to listen to God, to His promptings, to talk to people when you well, aren't necessarily even prepared to talk to people. Maybe you didn't even know that that's what God had on the agenda from you. But I know this, is that God's promise of entering rest still stands. This is unbelievable good news. But you know what's interesting? If, if you look at this, um, the words, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. This is an odd word, isn't it? It's almost something, if you put that in the context, hey, I am so afraid, children of Israel, that you're not going to step over, trust God, not worry about those giants. I, I don't think you're going to experience Canaan. I just don't think you are. I want you to do this. I want you to experience all that God is. And he's using that same illustration. He's saying, do you know that God's rest is available to every one of you right now? That life with the King is available to you right now. And you will be on mission, you will grow, your hearts will, will swell up with what God is doing. Stories will happen because you're walking with God. I want you to experience that. You know, one of the hardest things is that our culture is harried right now. Our culture is so busy. Our culture is burning the candle at both ends. Everybody is just moving at breakneck speed. And the truth is, is that I'm not so sure that we all experience all that God has for us. You know, one of the things that Pastor Scott asked our people to do, and I just heard a silent groan go out. Do, do you remember what he asked? He goes, you may not understand all that is about living you know, um, with God and understanding and hearing from God and, and so on. And, and that might take some practice, and I get it. But what I'd like you to do is take three sessions this next week of 60 minutes and begin to read the Scripture and just say, Hey, God, what do you want me to hear in these next 30 minutes? And then to listen to God for the next 30 minutes. And I don't know again how many. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not. Try, I'm preaching to the choir here. I recognize that you guys probably have quite disciplined lives, but I'm wondering. I'm wondering how many people will even take that challenge. Say, so, you know what? Maybe I could do that for one hour this week. I don't know, or maybe I could do that. You know, and our lives are so busy. But my guess is, if we don't create some margin, if we don't have some kind of discipline, if we don't have the ability to be able to hear from God and listen to God and let God steer you or stop you, 
or point you. My guess is, is that you're going to miss out. And I just love this part. We ought to tremble with fear. I'm not sure I've ever trembled with fear on anything. I think I've been really scared at times. But this seems so big to me. Hey, you have a chance to enter the rest right now. You do. And the author is saying, I am scared to death that you're not going to do this. I think what the author is saying is, I've experienced this life with God stuff. I know what this rest is all about. And I know that people are missing it because they have hard hearts, because they've been deceived. And I want you to experience God. Do you understand that? I am petrified you're going to miss it. For this is good news. Verse 2. That God has prepared this. And He has announced it to us. He goes, oh, only those that believe, only those that trust, only those that, that obey. Experience or enter the rest, the same rest, that God has offered mankind from the beginning. You see, the Bible is a big story. He created Adam and Eve for a relationship, to do life together. You know the story, you know. Things went south, all right? They knew more than God. And I know none of you would have made those choices if you were there. But they did, and we inherited it, okay? And since that happened. God has been saying, would you walk with me? Would you let me be your Lord, your King? Do you understand that I created all of this? Listen to my words. Obey me. And enter into the mission of my kingdom. You know, we... uh, going to go through uh, verse 5. So let me let me pick up verse 3. We're going to shoot through verse 5 and we'll close it for today. Okay? Um, starting at verse 3. For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest, even though this rest has been ready since he made the world. We know this rest, or it, is ready because of the place in the scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. But in the other passage, God said, they will never enter my place of rest. You know, as I shared, our choices will determine our experience. This rest has always been available. The Sabbath rest that the author is talking about is a rest of satisfaction. It's it's not a rest after exhaustion. 
You see, if you're a member, he's using the example in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. God did not rest because he was exhausted. He never did. He rest, rested because his job was completed and he was totally satisfied. You see, this is a Sabbath of the soul. This is, the, this is living with God rest. Now, if I were to um, even, even shoot over to Matthew 11, many of you um, recognize the great invitation. But in Matthew 11, Jesus says this. He said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. You know, this has become one of my favorite passages because it feels to me that God calls us to labor and to work and to serve and, you know, sometimes we just feel overwhelmed. And God's not calling us to labor and to work and to serve in our own strength. What he's saying literally is that all you guys who are tired, all you guys who are weary, all you guys who are trying to do life without me, all those folks who are rebelling against me and not listening, not doing life, not living life with me, you're carrying heavy burdens. I just want you to know, I want to be part of the picture. I want to be part of your journey. Would you come to me and I will give you rest? No one thinks pulling a cart is rest. But actually living life with God, sharing the yoke with God, letting God be the leader, letting God be um, uh, set the pace for every one of us, all of a sudden living life with God brings rest. And that's the invitation. Jesus says this, take my yoke, let me do life with you, let me teach you, my character will help you understand, and you're going to find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, which sounds so weird, but what he's saying is my yoke is best. Life doesn't mean you're not going to be pulling the cart. But it's going to be the way God wants it and the timing that God has it. So if we go back to Hebrews and we look at the promises and we see what God is sharing with each one of us, this is such good news. God's promise of entering His rest of living with him, still stands. If the author could shout and rant and rave, he's saying, please, please, please don't miss it. Enter in. Embrace it. This is what living with me is all about. Next Tuesday, we will take probably just the rest of this rest part. We're going to be looking at it a little bit deeper. Um, I didn't actually think we would be able to finish it today. 
Um, but I do think that it will encourage your heart. And if you could go away with just one thing, one thing, and that is God desires deeply to do life with every one of you. And if you choose not to listen to God and not to let Him do life with you, it's going to be more of the desert experience. But if you choose to do life with Him and enter in His rest, then you're going to experience the Canaan which is still pretty exciting. And we're very dependent on God, but it's a very different mission than just walking around the desert. Let's pray. God, thanks. Thanks for being so gracious. Thanks for being so kind. Thanks for being so unbelievably um, life-giving. We love you. Be patient with us, God. Um, In Jesus' name, amen.